0: Oh, Father, I pray for my brothers, Lord, who are serving in the ministry as pastors. And, oh, God, I am so aware of weakness in myself, bewilderment, and my great need for your word. So I pray for my brothers, Lord, that. They would be driven to your word and that they would be courageous, believing in your promises, trusting in your character, your name. No, God, that we would all be examples to the congregation. Of faith. Yes, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. In Philippians, I mean, in First Timothy, Chapter four. Verse 12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. You know, the virtues or the the areas that he mentioned here. They are principle. They are foundational in the Christian life. It, it is amazing. And just just look for a moment your speech. You're a minister of the gospel. You're a preacher. You're a pastor. You talk. That is your primary responsibility in one way. Your speech. And a speech oftentimes, if not always, is a reflection of the heart. Um, People will know your heart, but they'll also know your mind, your knowledge by your speech. And it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And so you can see why this is so important. In conduct, you know, the old saying that we have in English, practice what you preach. And he talks uh, in Titus about those who profess to know God, but by their deeds, they deny him. The Pharisees, uh, they claimed to be something of a guide to the blind, but they didn't enter the kingdom and they prohibited others from entering in by their Conduct and their teaching that was nothing more than a stumbling block. You see, and so conduct, we can see how that would be so important. And then love. (laughs) I mean, that's how people know we're disciples. Love, the greatest of these is love. If I have not love, I'm nothing. So we can see why this is so important. Faith, without faith, what does scripture say? It's impossible to please God. And we're gonna talk about that a bit. And then purity, be ye holy as he is holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord and without holiness, no one will see the Lord in you. And then he goes on. He says, "Show yourself an example, example of these things." You know, we're all so busy about learning so many things, and there are so many things that, to learn. But I wonder what would happen if someone devoted three years to these specific things that are mentioned here by Paul to Timothy. And of course, one of them is faith. And I want us to look now in in Philippians. Chapter four. Uh, This is one of the, I think, most magnificent expressions of or at least illustrations of a person who has faith, who is believing their God, he says, rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think it should be pretty easy to see how none of this is impossible. None of this is possible without faith without believing what God says about himself, without believing what God says with regard to his relationship with us and what he will do for us. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He doesn't say here rejoice in circumstances, even though that is a truth. We see that in James chapter one. But Here it's rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in who he is. You see, that is the controlling factor in every situation. You may be going through hell. Your name may be slandered. You may be suffering persecution. You may have every kind of fear, whether it's economic or material or physical. But if you know him, his faithfulness and his commitment to you. You can rejoice knowing that even these flames of fire are doing something that he himself has ordained for your good. And therefore you can rejoice. Now, I know what you're thinking. Easier said than done. I absolutely agree, but it's true nonetheless. And I can also say not only easier said than done, impossible to do unless you're a student of the character of God and the will of God. Those who believe God, everything God says about his covenant, about his promises, they can rejoice in the Lord always. Now, I want you to also see that this is a command. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say Rejoice. It's a command. It's something you're supposed to do. You're commanded to do. So knowing it's that serious, how should you prepare yourself so that you can do it? Again, being very boring, I'm going back to the same thing. There's only one way. Renew your mind in the word of God. Brothers, I think we would all have to admit That even if we spend a lot of time preparing sermons. We may not be spending a lot of time. Reading God's word. Memorizing God's word. Meditating upon God's word. So he says rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's what I've discovered. I've I've looked at it in other men, but especially I've seen it in myself. When I'm anxious, frustrated, scared, hopeless, I am not gentle. I am aggravated. I am tense. I am reactionary. Do you see that? Sometimes I use this illustration. So imagine that you come out of your office, you're walking down the hallway and another brother walks out of his office and is walking toward you. And you say to him, good morning, brother. And he looks at you rather sternly and kind of doesn't respond very nicely and just walks past you. So then maybe in the afternoon, he comes to your office and he says, Forgive me, brother. Um, I was rude today in the hallway. It's just I'm going through some terrible trials and I am just not myself. Do You know what? I'm sure he believes that, but it's actually the opposite. Those trials that he's going through are manifesting his true self. You see. You have a jar with a little bit of dirt in the bottom of it, all the water, and it's filled with water. It looks clean till you shake it up. And then you see it's actually quite dirty. That's what trials do. Any of us can be godly when we have no concerns, no worries about money, marriage, ministry, health. Everything is going wonderful. When everything is going wonderful, it is very easy to be gentle. To be Christ-like. But when everything is falling apart, you know it, you've seen it right in your own in, in the mirror, you're even having trouble in ministry. And when you come home, you're angry with your wife. You're impatient with your children. And that's why. Rejoicing is the antidote, right, to bitterness and anger that makes it impossible to be gentle. But rejoicing is impossible if you're not believing what God says about himself and about his commitment to you. It says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. This has many, many... I mean, we could write a book on this one statement, but the, the whole idea here is you can be gentle and rejoicing in the midst of trials because the Lord is with you, but it could also mean you can be gentle and rejoicing in trials because this is all going to come to pass. The Lord is coming back. Someone said to me one time, well, you may not come back in a thousand years. And I said, well, how old are you? And they said... I'm 50. I said, you're going to see him, whether he comes back or not, you're going to see him in probably less than 50 years, maybe 25. This too shall come to pass. One day the Lord himself will make it all right, make every bit of it right. And it's, it's knowing that and believing it that enables us To rejoice and be gentle even in the midst of trials because we know that the Lord is near the Lord is working and the Lord is coming again and when he comes all this is going to be resolved now he goes on so look what he says in verse 4 rejoice in verse 5 be gentle in verse 6 be anxious for nothing and it's all connected together the only way that we can be anxious for nothing. The only way we can actually rejoice is by not being anxious. And the only way we can not be anxious is by faith. And the only way that we can be living by faith is because we know our God and we know his promises. Be anxious for nothing. Now, instead of being anxious, what should we do? So you've got a problem that you can't handle and you're anxious. Well, how could you get rid of your anxiety by giving the problem to someone who can handle it? That's what you do in prayer. Peter said, cast all your burdens on him. He cares for you when you're anxious, cast the burdens on him. Well, I just don't know if he'll do anything that goes back to knowing your God and believing what he says about himself. Uh, me and some of my brothers here at Heart Cry. we were uh, a while back. We were in a situation where uh, this this woman was basically just just abandoned her and her children. And uh, in a terrible situation. She did not know what to do. And some of us met with her and said, listen. Name all your problems, name them. And she just went down through the list. And then we said, "Okay, these problems are no longer yours. None of them. None of them. They're ours. We're taking every one of these problems and they're now our responsibility. And I remember how she just started just crying. Now, we're fallible men. We're not powerful or anything. So I just want to want you to think about that, it's like the Lord coming to you and say, OK, what's the problem? Well, this, 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 this and this. OK, it's mine. They're mine now. I'm taking them. I'm taking them off of you. They're my problem. Do you believe that he's that good? Do you believe that he's that concerned? Do you believe that he's that gracious? What do you believe about God? Do you see how little faith we have? And we need to be examples of this. I know a pastor, I don't want to mention his name, you would know him. And I am not telling I have seen that guy come under more attacks. More slander, more anything than than anybody. I mean, it's amazing. And he's just like a rock. But he makes it clear it's not because of his, you know, some inherent virtue within him. It's childlike faith. In God. Be anxious for nothing. Give it to the Lord in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. See, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Immediately turn it over to him. And then what will happen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is an incredible, incredible passage that needs to be taught over and over and over in depthly. Kind of like the way Martin Lloyd-Jones went through the book of Ephesians. You need to go through this passage. Take you about five years. You need to go through this passage and explain it to your people. And you need to be an example of it. Now look in verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, by all kinds of praying, accompanied by thanksgiving, not because God's going to do exactly like you think he ought to do, but because he's really going to take this. Let your request be made known to God. Now, this is an amazing statement, isn't it? Jesus said that God knows everything we need. (laughs) But he also encouraged us to ask our heavenly father. Paul has the same view of sovereignty. God knows everything, everything we need, but you're to make your request, let your request be made known to God as though he didn't know. And there's that tension that I do not want to try to explain away. It's a childlike faith. It's taking it all to him. It's walking beside him. I mean, just stuck to him like glue. And the peace of God, the peace that comes from God, a peace that cannot be violated. It cannot be broken apart. It cannot be undone because it comes from God. You can have peace from circumstances. You can have peace because you think you're in control. Both of those are very fragile. Or you can have peace that comes from God in spite or despite the circumstances. It's a peace that comes from God based upon God's character. And not only God's character, but God's covenant relationship with you. My goodness, man, you need to you need to think more of the the new covenant. He's entered into a covenant with you, an unconditional covenant. He's not going to let you fail. He's not going to let you fall because this covenant is not about your demonstration of power. It's about his demonstration of power and faithfulness. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, not only for the onlookers, but for you. You're sitting there and and, well, people are looking at you and going, he's passing through trial. I do not understand how he has peace. And you yourself are going, I'm passing through a greater trial than I've ever passed through before. And I do not understand how I have peace. It doesn't fit. Because it comes from God. Now he says "And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The heart is full of anguish. It is troubled, disturbed. The mind is tortured. Because it cannot think of how there's going to be a good outcome. But peace comes. The peace that comes from your knowledge and belief of who God is and his commitment to you that comes and it takes away all the anxiety out of the heart, all the fear out of the mind. And notice he'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Again, we go back to this thing, God takes care of the righteous, but I look in the mirror of God's word and I'm not that righteous. But in Christ Jesus, you are. He has imputed his righteousness to you. He has made a commitment to you You are one with him. He cannot deny himself. He's going to help you even when the trouble comes from discipline. It is discipline from a loving father and a devoted brother. He's not going to let you fall. And when you pass through it, your faith will be more increased. And when you pass through it, your appreciation for him will be increased. And when you pass through it, you'll want to be more for him because he loves you so much. Now, I want us to go just quickly to Hebrews. Uh, and no we're not going to go through the whole chapter but hebrews chapter 11. verse 1 now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen now what does that mean you tell that to people but what does it mean well let's just do some things here for a moment faith is the assurance of things hoped for I've always hoped to fly. I've always wanted to fly unaided. I've always wanted to fly. I've dreamed of flying. It's terrible after a dream of you flying to wake up. It's just a terrible thing. I always want to fly. So I've hoped for flying. Now, I wake up one day and I have the assurance I can fly. So I climb to the top of a 50 story building and I jump off. That's what this text says. I've always hoped to fly. One morning, I wake up with the assurance that I can fly, so I jump off a 50-story building. Here's my question, do I fly? No, I die, I die, but, but I'm doing exactly what the text says. Then it goes on, the conviction of things not seen. I've never seen anybody fly. Never in my life have I seen anybody fly. But I have the conviction that I can fly. And so I climb a 50-story building and I jump off. Do I fly? No, I do not fly. I die. But I did exactly what this text said. And that's the way some people treat it, to be honest with you. But here's what you've got to see. You've got to interpret this in the context of what faith is. Faith is only faith when it is reliance upon something God has said, actually said. Faith requires divine revelation. If there is no divine revelation, there cannot be faith. There can be presumption, there can be foolishness, but not faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for The conviction of things not seen. Okay. At the same time. You hope for it and have assurance. You have the conviction because God has said it. Faith must be based on God's revelation of himself in the scriptures. Now. Let's say that I do not see you gentlemen again for six months. And if you started today pulling out of scripture and writing just a paragraph on every promise God has given, you wouldn't be a tenth of the way through the work before we met again. I want you to think about all the things God has said, all the things he has promised to you to accumulate those things that directly apply to you as a believer and then to believe them. In all our acquiring, in all our study, why do we avoid doing things like that? For example, we're supposed to be obedient. How many of you know a person that's gone through the Bible and taken out every command that pertains to a believer and looked at it? We're supposed to believe his promises. In all your studying, how much time have you spent going from Genesis to Revelation, pulling out every promise in the Bible, interpreting it in light of the new covenant, and then memorizing it and believing it and acting on it? Oh, we'll read theology after theology and Puritan and Reformer and this and that, but the simple things required of us, we neglect them. And that's why we're so anemic. Verse two, for by it, the men of old gained approval. When God spoke to them something and they believed it, they didn't hatch it in their own mind or their own heart. God came from the outside and spoke to them and they believed it. Well, God speaks to us through the word of God. Now, Verse six, and without faith, it is impossible to please him and without the word, it's impossible to have faith. <laughs> I tell you, brothers, I wish. I've studied a lot in my four decades. I wish I would have given much more time to just reading. From Genesis to Revelation over and over and over and over and over again. Faith. 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 And you need to be an example of it. We try to be an example, don't we, of so many things. But we should be examples of this speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Holiness. Moral cleanliness. And we'll talk about that in our next meeting. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, dear God. That you will help my brothers. Lord, to exceed, to go past me. Far beyond me in faith. Oh, dear God, help them, help them, Lord, help them in Jesus name.